Um, if you don't know me, I'm Amy. I'm married to this awesome guy, Dave, over here. We are coming up 19 years in April. It's gone fast. I feel like it was yesterday. And we have four children who range from 4 to 25. So I have my head in the preschool years, the tween years, the teen years, and the adult years. And um, I'm not going to lie, it is a very busy season as a mum, and I may have had a few nightmares as the week unfolded about whether or not I was going to have any time to be able to devote to this message. (laughs) But God is gracious, and he takes what we are able to give him, and he does the super abundantly more. So when Matt asked me a couple of months back, could I be part of the summer series, I was reading through the Gospel of Mark, and God really highlighted the parable of the sower in chapter 4 for me, and was like, that's what you're speaking on in the new year, Amy. And I always have to laugh. I think God has such a sense of humor, because throughout Scripture, we do see this image of God being a gardener, God being a farmer, us being the vine, us being the soil, the garden. And you have to know this, I have killed every plant that I have owned, I am not at all kind to plants, and yet God seems to keep asking me to write and to teach through horticultural symbols, and I'm like, really, Lord? I kill plants, but this is what you need to know. God's heart is that you would not be killed, that you would not be destroyed, that nothing would be robbed from you, but that you would be a fruitful garden, that you would be the soil we're going to talk about today who yields a 30, 60, 100-fold crop. So I want to jump straight into Mark chapter 4, and if you like titles, I've called this one Becoming Good Soil, Plowing Up the Ground of Our Hearts, and the other kind of title I threw around was a series of questions, because today I want us to be willing to ask ourselves some questions as we enter into a new year. Because I do know this about gardening, it's not as simple as just popping a seed or a plant in the ground and leaving it to grow. You've got to put some stuff into it, and you've got to take some stuff out of its environment. And if you don't do those things, you don't give those seeds a very good chance. And so as we come into this year, God's heart for us is that it would be a fruitful year, that whatever season we find ourselves in, we would look back on 2020 and say, I grew. I grew more Christ-like. I had more of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I grew stronger in my relationships. I grew stronger in my connection to Jesus. Whatever season, the fruit that God cares about is able to grow in our lives. But we have a part to play. And so I'm going to pose a series of questions for us as we work through this parable of the sower that I hope you will take away and reflect with God. What do I need to put back into my heart? What do I maybe need to take out? So I'm going to read the parable as a whole to us. We're going to look at it as a big picture, and then we're going to start to break it down. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. So can you imagine the scene? There are so many people that for Jesus to avoid being crushed, he has to hop in a boat and go and sit out on the water. 
And he's sitting there and he's addressing the multitude and he begins to say this. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen. Now when Jesus says, listen, you want to start paying attention. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Now, the NLT says this a little bit more black and white. It says... If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the others? And as I continue to read, I want you to start to think, why is this parable so important? What about this parable is the key to unlocking my understanding of what else Jesus wants me to know? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the seed is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown." So I'm going to throw the question out there. Why do you think this parable is so important? What do you think it might be about it that affects our understanding of everything else? Anyone want to answer? You're all awake on a Sunday morning? <laughs> all right. It's because it's about how we receive the word. It's about how we receive the word. And Matthew says the message of the kingdom and what you need to understand is this parable was in a series of parables where Jesus taught about what the kingdom was like and how it would grow. But if you're not able to receive the message, it's not going to be able to grow in you. So this parable is about how the kingdom is birthed in us. 
And it has to be birthed in us for us to be able to enter into the life of the kingdom. And ultimately, the word and the message of the kingdom are one. They point us to what the word of life, they point us to Jesus. So ultimately, this parable is about how we choose to receive and respond to who Jesus is in our lives. And I want you to think about it in the big picture way that it's set out for us in this parable, that yes, these are types of people. These are how people as a whole choose to respond to Jesus. Do they have a hard heart? Do they have shallow soil in their heart? Has things been able to take root, but too many other things are crowding out what they really do want to grow in their hearts? Or are they the good soil that has fully allowed Jesus to come in and be Lord? But I also want to suggest to you that within our heart, we all have these four types of soil. And so I want you to also look at it, not just thinking, well, I'm that person. I want you to start to think, Lord, where might I be hard? Lord, where might I be shallow? Lord, where are other things crowding out your word, crowding out your word of life, Jesus, in my heart? So that's how we're going to read this. And the first question So Jesus asks us first, why is this parable so important? And then we need to start asking ourselves a series of questions. And the first thing is, do I want to hear what Jesus has to say to me? Well, this might seem like a bit of a silly, obvious question. But implicit in this whole passage is not just hearing. You are all hearing me this morning. But whether or not you will enter into understanding is a different question. And when Jesus says, let he who has ears hear, he's saying, do you have an ear to hear to understand? Now, for those of you who are parents, you will have said to your kids at some point, are you listening to me? Did you hear what I said? And they go, yeah, yeah, I heard you, mum. But their behavior tells you, that they didn't hear you, and that they certainly did not understand you. And the idea of the hearing with understanding was that it changed how you behaved. So Jesus is saying, are you willing to hear me, to understand me, and to let that understanding move you to transformation? Now, this phrase that Jesus uses where he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He only uses it a couple of times in the gospel and then a variation of it in the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. Every time he uses it, it's in the context of something that we may not particularly want to hear. That might be hard for us to hear because it might require us to examine our lives, to examine our hearts, to be prepared to count the cost. But I want to say this to you this morning. While Jesus might sometimes need to say some hard things to us, while this message might raise some questions that might feel a little bit uncomfortable for you, he is never harsh. And his heart in asking us the hard questions and asking us to be willing to dig around in the soil of our hearts is so that we can become that good soil 
that lives a fruitful life. And that 30, 60, 100-fold, all the commentaries I read said, you know, that's often thrown around as a miraculous yield. It was normal. It was the normal yield, the expected yield of the seed that was sown. And that tells us living a fruitful life as a believer is not meant to be a miraculous thing. It's meant to be our normal, everyday experience, that that is God's heart for us. So as we dig around in these difficult questions at times, we need to hold on to that truth that Jesus' heart in us hearing and understanding and being transformed is that we would live a fruitful life. And he said in John, so that you might bring my Father much glory. So do I want to hear what Jesus has to say to me? If you don't, you can tune out now. <laughs> if you do... Keep leaning in. I want to ask a sub-question, though, that this passage raises for us that I don't want us to gloss over. Does God want me to hear? Because Jesus talks about how the secret of the kingdom's been revealed to his disciples, but other people aren't understanding. The secret hasn't been revealed to them. They're hearing just at a surface level. It's not penetrating into their hearts and lives. And he says this thing, he says, the ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be healed and forgiven. Matthew quotes a longer portion of this scripture. It's from the book of Isaiah chapter 6. And he says, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and I would turn and heal them. So we have to ask the question, does God want them to turn and be healed? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Jesus, we know, came that the whole world might be saved. Second Peter teaches us that God's heart is that none would perish. And the context of this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 6 is God was actually sending Isaiah to go and to try and reach into the hearts of the Israelites. But he was prophesying what their response would be and what the judgment for their response would be. So what God is doing here is he is acknowledging that some people will reject the word that they won't want to hear, that they won't want to understand. And a rabbi that I was reading of said the tone of it in the Hebrew in Isaiah 6, it's mournful. It's God lamenting that they won't turn and be healed. So we must, as we read through this, understand that God's heart is for all to hear and for all to understand but also that he's not silly. Who do you confide in? Do you confide in just anybody? Or do you keep your secrets, the things that matter the most, for people that you know you can trust, for people that you know care about your heart? In Psalm 25, it says, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. So what Jesus is saying to the disciples is, the secrets of the kingdom have been revealed to you because I know I can trust you, 
as we'll see, their hearts weren't perfect, but God knew that they were ready and wanting, that they were drawing near to him and desired understanding. Now, the reason that I wanted to address the fact that there is this kind of thing in the middle that makes us go, do you want us all to be good soil, Lord? Is I'm a firm believer in facing up to the things that make us feel a bit icky as we read through Scripture. In the circumstances of our lives that make us go, how does that fit with what I believe to be true about God? Because if you try and whitewash the obstacles, they will undo you, as we see, as we'll see when we get into the soil. So I wanted to address that. And I also just want to give us this understanding. For us, we've taken on a lot of Greek understanding about the heart, that it's all about our emotions and how we feel. But that's not what the Hebrew understanding of the heart was. The Hebrew understanding was that it's more than the seat of our emotions. It's where all the elements of a person converge. So when God says, I have given you a new heart, the idea is that all of you has been renewed and recreated, and that's why it's possible for us to become good soil. So when we're talking about is our heart good soil, we've got to stop just thinking about how we feel. This is about our whole being with God. So, we've asked, why is this parable important? We've asked, am I willing to hear what Jesus wants to say to me, not just today, but in the totality of my life? We've wrestled with, does God want everyone to hear? And the answer is absolutely yes, but that there is a reality that some people have set their hearts to not want to. And I would encourage you, if you know the people in your world who have a hard heart, who are led by their feelings or their faith has been choked out by the worries and the deceitfulness of this life, be an intercessor for them because until Jesus returns, and it says that God is delaying the return so that there's time for all to come to repentance, and we have a part to play in that. So don't discard it and be like, hey, Sarah, Sarah, some people aren't going to hear and understand. Get on your knees and pray for them to hear and to understand. All right, now let's turn our attention to our hearts. So Jesus begins to explain four different types of soil. And he says of the seed that has been scattered on the path, some people are like seed, seed along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Matthew says, because they have no understanding, the enemy's basically able to swoop in and take the seed. The seed doesn't even have a chance to germinate. It's sat on the surface. There's been no potential for any growth. Now, back when Jesus was talking, there were all these plots of land, and there were no fences dividing them. What they were divided by were paths that people would walk along. And I just want to show you this picture that I took when we went on a walk at Shakespeare over Dave's holidays. We went and did the pink beach walk, and our girls were quite excited that we were going to a pink beach. Has anyone done the walk? It's rocks. Rocks, rocks, and more rocks. And five minutes into the walk, Lucas was like, I'm done. <laughs> and it was hot, and it was windy, and we made it to this beach, and there was no pink. 
we were not popular parents. But as we walked, there were these paths that had formed where everybody obviously followed the path. And what you notice about it is it's hard, that the ground gets really packed down as people tread on it. And as I've been thinking over the summer about my own heart and where might it be hard, what might it have made it be hard, life has a way of walking on our hearts at times. And in Matthew, when Jesus talks about the heart becoming calloused, how do you build up a callous? Women who have worn heels will know. It rubs and it rubs and it rubs until the skin is so thick you can't feel anymore. And that is why you are able to wear high heels. <laughs> but that happens with our hearts, the pain of life. It rubs and it rubs and it rubs and we become hard, and we don't want to let Jesus into that part anymore because we're too disappointed, and it hurts too much. The other way that I've realized my own heart has become hard is overexposure. We are inundated all the time with images of suffering, one crisis after another, and you just get to a point where you can't actually feel anything about it anymore. They call it for people who work in industries like that, compassion fatigue. You just don't feel anything anymore. And so we have to ask ourselves, Jesus, is there anywhere where the truth about who you are and what you want to do in my life and through my life is, isn't able to penetrate through the hardness of my heart? And the enemy is just snatching away the seed, the things that you are wanting to do and grow in my life. The next question is, where in my life am I being led by my emotions? So Jesus says of the next lot of seed, he said, seed sown on rocky places, they hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. Oh, yes, Jesus wants me to live a fruitful life. Jesus came to give me the abundant life. I'm happy, healthy, and wealthy. And it says, but when trouble, they only last a short time because they've got no root. So when trouble or persecution comes because of the word. So when what Jesus has spoken over our lives is directly opposed, we just fall away. We don't last because there's no roots. Luke's account of it says, you know, the plants wither, the sun comes on them. And because they're not able to draw out the moisture in the ground, they're just killed. If your roots are down, the sun won't kill you. It will be part of your growth. It might be harsh at times. You might want to escape the heat of life at times. But if your roots are down deep in the right soil, you will be able to keep growing even though the sun is hot upon you. And when we live with by how we feel and feelings replace truth, and we live in an age where it's like, well, this is my truth and that's your truth. No, truth isn't fluid. Truth isn't absolute. Feelings are fluid. Ask anyone who's been married. Feelings ebb and flow. But the truth of a covenant commitment doesn't. And so what Jesus is asking us is, don't be shallow. Put your roots down in the right thing, not feelings, because otherwise you're never going to get to grow into the fullness of what I have for you. What does scripture tell us we should be rooted in? 
Colossians 2 verses 6 and 7 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. One of the things that we must be rooted in is the truth of who Jesus Christ is and his role as Lord. Lord is someone who has authority. So he has authority over us, but when we go through difficult times, we also believe that he has authority over our circumstances, that he is the one who can speak to the wind and the waves. And so we must be rooted not in how we feel on any given day, but in the truth, the unchanging truth of who Jesus Christ is. And we must be rooted in the truth of his love for us. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19, Paul prayed this. He said, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You want to be filled with all that God has for you? You stand on the truth that he loves you. We have walked through so many circumstances in the last few years and actually just the two decades that we've been married. And there was a season where I allowed all the disappointments and all the opposition to define me and it meant that I was like this all the time. But as I have learned to put my roots down in the truth that no matter what happens to me, no matter what I walk through, I am loved by God that has changed the trajectory of my story. So we don't grow by how we feel. We grow by putting down our roots into the truth of who Jesus is and the depths of his love for us. All right, my clock is ticking, so we're going to do these last two quick. The next question that we must ask ourselves is what in my life is consuming my focus and hindering my maturity? So this is the one where the thorns, they grow up and they take all the nutrients of the soil. So the plants are there, but it just doesn't have enough energy to bear any fruit. And I don't say this in a harsh way, but I think this is probably most of us, if we're really honest, that we've got enough roots that we're still in this thing. But we're not bearing the fruit for Jesus that we would like to be. And if we were to examine all the thorns, Mark defines them as the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things. Luke adds that it's also the pleasures of this world, sometimes just the fun stuff. I mean, who's had a huge Netflix binge, but then in the same breath said they had no time to be in the Bible that week? So all these things, the worries, the pressures... The pleasures, they crowd out the energy in our hearts to behold Jesus and to be in his word and to be hearing what it is that he's saying. Because I don't know about you, when I have been feeling worry and anxiety about something and I've instead of drowning it out and just using escapism and jumping on Netflix, which I often do, but when I've chosen the better thing to go into God's presence and say, God, what do you need me to hear about this situation? His word begins to bring life. 
my perspective of that situation shifts and changes and fruit is able to grow. grow. So we need to ask ourselves as we enter a new year, is there anything, Lord, that I need to pull out? And I just want to show you this next picture. As we did this walk, I was struck by where most of the gorse plants were growing. It wasn't in the bush where everything was fruitful. It was right along the edge of the path where it was hard. And I want to suggest that the thorns are most likely to grow where we have hard soil that needs some digging up, right alongside those places. Not a scriptural observation, just what nature was speaking to me. I said, Dave, where's your phone? I need to be taking pictures. <laughs> my message is coming alive and before my eyes. All right. So we need to be willing to maybe pull some things out. Maybe not let some things go, but reorder where they fit in our lives. And the final question is, how do I become good soil? I think part of how you become good soil is by being willing to ask yourself those questions. Hosea 10, 12 says this, it says, sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground, or plow up the hard ground of your hearts, the NLT says. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. Part of becoming good soil is being willing to plow up the hard ground, to let the Holy Spirit ask us those hard questions, knowing that his heart is to lead us into the fullness of what Jesus has for us. But all three of the Gospels who record this parable for us also tell us this. They say that the good soil is those who hear and accept. And the idea of accepting is you take it to yourself. It becomes part of who you are. Your belief is the fabric of your being. It's those who hear and understand, Matthew says. So again, that word for understanding that's woven throughout this whole parable is that our understanding would bring transformation. It would change how we live. And finally, Luke says, it's those who hear and retain it, and they're willing to persevere with it. And I want to just read you this quick definition of perseverance. This is what the word means, steadfastness, constancy, endurance. In the New Testament, it is characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and suffering, patiently waiting. And if we want to have a harvest in our lives for God's glory, we need to sometimes be patient with what he's doing in us. And even though our circumstances might oppose everything that God has said to us, we're not dissuaded from holding on to who Jesus is and what he has said in his word. We know, like it says in Isaiah 55, that when he sends forth his word, it will accomplish what he purposes for it and it will bear fruit. And so we keep going. And I just wanna invite you to stand with me Because there is this side of it that we must be willing to do some digging, that we must be willing to examine our lives. But like that verse in Hosea, then God comes and he showers 
His righteousness upon us. It is a holy partnership between us and His Spirit. Because in Ezekiel, time and time again, he came to the Israelites, even though they had hard hearts. And he kept saying, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to take out your heart of stone. And I'm going to give you a new heart, a heart of flesh. And he would go on to say that because of that heart of flesh, you're going to be able to obey me. You're going to be able to walk with me. And so as we choose, Jesus, I want to hear you. Jesus, I want to understand you. Jesus, I'm willing to dig up the soil of my heart. The Holy Spirit comes alongside and partners with us and does what we can never do. He brings the regeneration. He brings the renewal. He brings the power to walk in obedience to Jesus as Lord. And so I just want to give you a moment I never pause to pray. I normally always pause to pray at the beginning of a message, and I'm just realizing I didn't. But I just want to give us a moment to think. And I just want you to say, Holy Spirit, which of these questions is most pressing for me today? And just let him begin to speak into that area of your heart. And then we're going to declare a prayer together. Spirit, we just thank you for your presence here with us this morning. We thank you for the gift of you in our lives, that you come alongside our digging, our efforts, and you do the super abundantly more. And I just pray that as we go out from this place, that you would bring your sweet conviction where we need it so that we can look back on 2020 and we can see fruitfulness from the seeds that Jesus has sown into our hearts and our lives and our families and our church and our community. We want to be the good soil, Jesus. We want to bear fruit for your glory. So I just ask your blessing, Lord, on each person. Jesus. Amen. Just as we say this prayer, I just want to say this one thing. The hard ground can become the good soil. The shallow ground can become the good soil. The thorny ground can become the good soil. It doesn't have to stay a barren place. So would you declare this prayer with me? It's going to come up on the PowerPoint Let's just say it together as we close. Create a clean heart within me, O God, so that it may become your chosen shelter and the resting place of the Holy Spirit. I make the cross of Christ upon my breast over the tablet of my hard heart, and I beseech the living God of the universe. 
May the light of lights come to my dark heart so that I may live in the power of your love. Amen.